Welcome to the 150th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, we will have our weekly division-by-division division look at Major League Baseball. And starting, as always, with the American League East, let's jump right in, Patrick. The Yankees lead that division at 32-13, and 13, five and a half games ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays, who are 26-18 and 18 in second. Then you have the Blue Jays, who are 24-20, and 20, seven and a half games back. The Red Sox, 21-23, and 23, starting to turn around a little bit. Uh, ten and a half games back, and the Orioles fourteen games back at eighteen and twenty-seven. But let's go back to the top and talk about uh, what's been happening with the Yankees. They've won three in a row. They are six and four in their last ten, so pretty smooth sailing for them. Uh, they, they've definitely come down a little bit from where they were at some point, where it looked like no one was going to get anywhere near their record and touch what they were doing. Uh, now the Dodgers are at least in the same stratosphere as the Yankees are. Uh, and a few other teams are close, but they they were at some point way ahead of everybody else. Now it's a manageable lead, but still a big one. Uh, and in their division especially, that lead is still big, and that is important for them because, well, that's the only lead that really matters. Getting the home field, obviously, for the playoffs is important, but not as important as just securing your division uh, and making sure that you win the that you win that uh that well. I guess technically at this point, don't you get home home field for at least the first series if you do win a division? I don't know. I forget how the new playoff format works, but I think you do. Uh, so that's the important one for sure. Uh, but, you know, the Yankees have been playing well. Nestor Cortez, I think, has two or three eight-plus inning outings this year, which he's got to be one of the only ones to do that. If, if there are anybody else, honestly, there might not be anybody else. Um, and just overall, they're playing well as a team. I think they, they still have some things that can be ironed out offensively, even though they're one of the best offensive teams uh, in the league. They definitely still could be doing a few things a little bit better, just knowing how powerful their lineup is. Uh, but that, what doesn't help that is the fact that Josh Donaldson is on the 10-day IL now after previously being on the COVID IL uh, and then got transferred to the actual 10-day injury IL. Uh, so he he's having his fair share of uh, issues that he's running into. So uh That'll be something to look at when you're looking at the Yankees. And then also Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, uh, you know, all those guys, and Anthony Rizzo, everybody on their lineup. You know, they're all big hitters. They're all great hitters. So you expect them to be near the top of the league in in runs, and really they are. There's nothing you can complain about when it comes to this team. And I'd say the pitching has probably even been better than expected because they've had guys coming back from injuries and things that, you know, normally don't take, uh, normally take a little bit to get back to normal, but... Luis Severino really is pitching like, I mean, if you watched, the best analogy I can make is if you watch Clay Thompson when he came back this year, he was on a minutes restriction and he did not look like the Clay we knew, and it looked like he might not get back there this season. Luis Severino looks like Luis Severino from three years ago. It doesn't look like he's missed two or three years of baseball without playing more than like five games. He looks exactly like he's looked in past years, so the Yankees are really getting everything they could have asked for and probably a little bit more to start the season, and that is why they have the best overall record and they're the best in this division. But if you move on to second place, no more explanations. I talked about the win projections. We can keep checking in on it week by week, but the fact of the matter is uh, the Rays are just the Rays. There's nothing you can say about it. I mean, they're on pace for 95.7 wins. That's pretty much always where they are. Uh, This year it might not be good enough to win a division, but they were going to make the playoffs as normal, and uh, that's really the standard they've set, and they've 
set a pretty nice standard, even though obviously you'd like to win a World Series when you get to the playoffs that often. Uh, but, you know, they made their appearance. Things didn't go their way. They played the Dodgers, lost there, and that was kind of maybe the end of it for them. I don't know if they're getting back to the World Series like super, super soon, but at least they are consistently making the playoffs. They're always a threat. Uh, and they're still hard to beat in the playoffs because they don't really need, they're not really reliant on an MVP level guy to do his thing and live up to the moment. They really just don't, they really just have their whole lineup just play well enough for them to win games. Uh, on the other hand, the Blue Jays, they've been disappointing offensively. The pitching has been pretty good, about what you'd expect for them. Uh, but still, 164 runs scored for this team. It, it, the lineup just isn't, it isn't clicking how you wanted it to. Uh, that's only five more than the Royals. That's five more than the Orioles. Uh, that's 43 less than the Red Sox. That is not how this offense is supposed to function. It is supposed to be a lot better than that. And I could keep go going down the list. There's not a single team in the NL East with, le with less runs scored so far this season than the Blue Jays. Uh, and the same thing goes for the NL West. And literally only the Pirates in the entirety of the National League have less runs scored than the Blue Jays this season. So that just goes to show you their offense has really been the problem. And by the way, their offense has not been good the whole year, and yet somehow they're 24 and 20. So not much to complain about for the Blue Jays. Uh, they will get better, I think. I mean, I hope so. They have a lot of talent in that lineup. They should start hitting better theoretically. I think they will. Uh, but moving on to a team that has start, started to hit better, the Boston Red Sox at 207 runs scored on the year. Their pitching still leaves something to be desired, but 8-2 in their last 10 games, and all of a sudden, they're actually near a winning record again. Uh, currently sitting at uh, 21-23 and 23 on the year. Most of that due to very, very improved hitting and just uh, overall, really, an uptick in Trevor's story production. Uh, that was the main catalyst of this little streak that they went on. It started with, I think he had a three-home run night. Uh, and it, if it wasn't three, it was at least two. Uh, and that really started all the fire for him. He was had one home run going into last week and now has, I think, five or six on the season. So uh, Trevor's story getting going is huge for this team, and that will continue to be a factor uh, as we move on in the season. Definitely need him to keep playing like that. They're not paying him to not do anything. <laughs> uh, they brought him in. You know, they had they have they already have uh, Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts. They did not bring in Trevor's story to be just an average player, and that's kind of what he had been up until this week. Now, all of a sudden, those numbers are jumping up, jumping way up. Uh, so he looks really, really good right about now. Uh, and then the Orioles, you know, well, the one thing I will say about the Orioles is uh, they clearly are proud listeners of the 4th and 24 podcast because. The day after uh, we talked about them needing to actually bring up those prospects if they wanted to win a game, uh, and, and I mentioned by name Adley Rutschman, and I said to a lesser extent Grayson Rodriguez, who's the top pitching prospect in all baseball, I woke up the next morning and read that they had called up Adley Rutschman. So clearly, I don't know who their GM is, but, and by the way, if he is listening to my podcast, he needs to use his time better because that team needs a lot more help than him listening to my podcast. Uh, obviously, I'm joking, but... They did bring him up, and Adley's been good so far. But uh, he, he's had some moments. He's had a, he's had a triple. I don't know if he's had his first home run yet. I'm not honestly quite sure. Uh, but so far, you like what you're seeing from him. You like what you're seeing overall from that team getting a little bit better, playing a decent series against the Yankees, and uh, taking. A, I think they took two game extra innings and actually won one, including scoring five off of Garrett Cole. So uh, overall, you like to you like what you see from the Orioles uh, recently.
Yeah, the other team I think that was listening to the Fourth and Twenty Four podcast was the Red Sox. You said if they oh yeah they just they, need to wake up. I think they, they wake woke up, up and get going. Or I think they woke be up too late and they woke up. Red Sox with a better run differential, plus twenty one, than the second place Rays were at plus twelve. Yet the Red Sox find themselves five games back of the Rays. Pretty interesting. And also better than the Blue Jays, who are negative. But the Blue Jays were also, I think, I think they ended last year with the fourth best run differential and didn't even make the playoffs. So that's, I mean, yeah, sorry, it's I, like the luck is turning around this year. I meant to say better than both teams in front of them besides yeah. the Yankees. So uh, maybe there is hope at uh, at Fenway. Uh, this year for for a competitive season, we'll see. They, well, the sixteen to three blowout of the White Sox a few days ago helps that run differential that a lot. Run, it huh? probably should be plus twelve. <laughs> Still, they've turned it around eight and two in their last ten, like you yep. said, and they did what you said they needed to do. So, the bottom seller dwellers of the American League East are listening to Patrick's advice. I guess so. Uh, let's see if the folks in the although I don't think that's just my advice. I think it's just so obvious that I can give the advice. Their manager can give the advice. Their general manager can give the, the advice. Their fans can give the advice. It's pretty obvious stuff. Okay, well, let's see what advice we have for those in the AL Central. Uh, well, they need it because this division has just been going south all year, except for the first-place Minnesota Twins, who are 27-18 and 18 on the year with a plus-31 run differential. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. I keep saying I'm expecting this team to uh, kind of go, go down and have a little bit of a regression. They might not ever get there. They might just continue to play well. I don't see. I mean, if they haven't stopped now, they might not stop later. But the one thing is, they have played a lot of games within their division so far, and their division is terrible. Uh, it's as simple as that. So their schedule has been very, very easy. Um, it it's going to get harder, and we're really going to see what the Twins are made of when they start playing uh, the better teams. But they they still have done a good job playing. You know, you can only play who, who who's put in front of you, right? So uh, they've done a good job uh, of the fact that they have had an easy schedule, but they've played well against that schedule. Uh, in the second place, White Sox, 22 and 22. They're four and a half games back. They're staying afloat at 500. They're five and five in their last 10. Their run differential is minus 42, which is something that's kind of worrying. But the fact that it's minus 42 now just goes to show you they get some guys back. They start playing better, uh, and and they and they really deal with those injury issues. And all of a sudden, that this team is probably going to be you know an easy plus run differential team and probably a winning record type of team. Uh, that that's what you'd expect. They have a star-studded roster. That it's just that some of those guys are on the IL. Some of them aren't performing as well as you would like. And they're really really thin in their pitching rotation right now uh, in terms of those injuries. So once that situation gets better, I think they as a team will get better. Uh, and eventually, still, I still do think they're going to overtake the Twins, but uh, that lead has stayed at about four games for most of the season, so you never know if it'll stay. Uh, and then you have the Guardians at 18 and 23, seven games back. Still a good offensive team, not a- as uh, as amazing as they were at the beginning of the season, but still good. Um, they've lost three in a row, though, three and seven in their last ten. You have the Tigers, who are 16 and 28, ten and a half games back. Uh, they've won two in a row, but they're five and five in their last 10. They've started to turn it around a little bit, but still not really catching fire like they would need to, to really make a lot of improvement this season. Um, but then in the bottom of the division, you have the Royals 10, uh, sorry, 11 games back at, uh, 15 and 28, three and seven in their last 10. They haven't turned it around at all. And they will probably stay in the bottom of this division. I think that's pretty well established. Yeah. Let's hope the White Sox can turn around a little bit and make this division interesting because it's been kind of boring all year. I mean, the Twins, I guess... Yeah, the Twins have been dwellers, on cruise control. They were cellar drawers like the first week, and then they've been... Did they just, decisions. I mean, like I said, they've just been on cruise control. They really haven't had to do much the whole season. They've just kind of been just 
playing their game, doing their thing, having an easy schedule, and taking advantage of it. All right, well, let's uh, move over to a division that does have some intrigue at the top and has for most of the season, the American League West. Well, and it also has intrigue at the bottom when you look at who's in last place, by the way, but we'll get to that too. Uh, The Houston Astros currently in first place, 29-16. and Uh, That's a 644 winning percentage. That is second best in the AL and actually might be, well, it's tied with the Brewers for third best overall uh, in the whole league. Um, And then they are, they've won two in a row. They are six and four in their last 10, a plus 47 run differential. They're 14 and six at home. They're 15 and 10 on the road. They are, which is good. They're pretty even on either side. It doesn't really, it's not one side that they're much better on than the others. Um, And then when you, when you look at it overall, I mean, they're a good team. They're supposed to lead this division. They're supposed to win this division, in my opinion, at least. Uh, so this is to be expected, but they continue to play well and uh, hold off the charge of the second place, Los Angeles Angels, who are 27-19, and 19, two and a half games back. Uh, they've lost two in a row. They've, they're four and six in their last 10. Uh, but I will say the Angels have had some good pitching, and when they have, that's when they've really been hot this year. When they haven't, that's when they've really looked like the Angels of the past that, you know, Missed the playoffs, even though they've had great, great hitters. And uh, by the way, speaking of great pitching, I think I've said it before, but Justin Verlander has just been great this season. Uh, you know, he he's uh, coming off his injury. It's been it's been crazy to see how good he's been playing. Uh, but I, I I was talking about the Angels, so I'll get back to that. I just forgot to mention that with the Astros. I wanted to. Um, but look, the Astros, or sorry, the Angels. Uh, you know, they have, they have stars on their, on their whole lineup. They have other guys who have been contributing like Taylor Ward. Uh, and you know, they, they've gotten, and Anthony Rendon hasn't exactly had the best season and you know, he, he'll turn it around eventually, but they've, they've had their fair share of issues offensively, uh, in terms of not getting guys to necessarily produce in the past beyond their top guys. Like when they had pools for 10 years, uh, and also had Mike Trout, but this year, it finally seems like they have a pretty balanced lineup overall. It's not just topped by Otani and Trout, and it's not just even Taylor Ward having a ridiculous breakout season. Uh, they have a, they, everybody's really contributing, uh, and you know Brandon Marsh. Uh, you know a lot of guys have been contributing for them this season, so that's really what's been the turnaround for them. Uh, then you have the Rangers, who are in third. Very, very interesting. I mean, it's not surprising with the money that they spent because they did spend $500 million on the middle infield alone uh, in the offseason. So you would expect that this team would be good by just looking at free agency spending. But when you look at past years and the expectancy of how this team is going to play, you wouldn't think that they'd actually be that good. Um, But look, 20 and 23, they're not great, but they're not bad either. They're eight games back of first place. They've won two in a row. They're six and four in their last 10. Uh, they have a minus three run differential, which indicates they probably should be around 500, a little bit below, though. Uh, and that's pretty much where they are. So I, I have to say, the the Rangers have looked better than I expected them to. Uh, I, I did expect them to be at the bottom of this division with the A's, although definitely better than the A's by a pretty large margin, but at least in fourth place. Um, and that might have something more to do with the team at the bottom, who's the big disappointment, and less to do with how well they've played individually. Uh, but... I will say so far, good on the Rangers for having a good start to the season, and you hope that next year they start bringing up more prospects, they bring up more pitchers, and all of a sudden, later on, uh, later on meaning next year, year after that, they might actually be a playoff team again. Uh, It looks like they're building the start of something with Seager and Simeon at the core. Uh, And finally, you have the last place teams in this division, both 11 games back, the A's and the Mariners all start with the A's, 
who have the better winning percentage. So technically they're fourth with a 404 winning percentage. Uh, the A's, they're supposed to be bad. They have been bad. Uh, it makes sense that with a bad roster, they are 6-15 and 15 at home. They're very bad at home. They're 13-13 and 13 on the road. And maybe there's less pressure when they have, you know, like two fans or, or, or two fans for them. Uh, not not a lot of fans rooting uh, or a lot of fans rooting against them. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it, it always seems that bad teams seem to be better on the road for some reason. Um, and then they are, uh, you know, they are minus 31 run differential. Runs allowed, probably the biggest issue. Their offense is pretty middling, although now that I look at it, their offense is probably actually the problem. They're, they're kind of both the problem. They're just not a good team. How about that one? Uh, how about that response for all of that? And then you have the Mariners at the bottom of the division. I don't have much to say about the A's, I will say. They're the one team who I always struggle to talk about because they don't even have anybody interesting to draw me in to watch. They don't have a Juan Soto. Or even, you know, the Nationals have Josh Bell and Nelson Cruz, too. They have good players. Uh, There's nothing interesting to me about the A's. Like, no offense to them, but they don't have, like, a top prospect that they brought up. They don't have an actual young star that they've had. They traded them all away. So they... I don't have a reason to watch them, uh, so I haven't. And even the Mariners, who I'll move on to now, who are in last place, were supposed to be good, so I have been watching them to figure out why they've been so disappointing, right? That's a reason to watch that team. Uh, and yes, the Mariners have been very disappointing. Uh, they are 18-27, and 27, 11 games back, just like the A's uh, in this division. They've lost two in a row, and they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Pitching, pitching, pitching is the issue for this team. Uh, 207 runs allowed. If you look at the teams who are above 200, they're all bad except for the Giants. Uh, all, all of these teams are really, really bad teams. you got the Royals. You have, well, the Mariners. You have the Nationals. Uh, you have the Pirates, the Cubs, the Reds, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, uh, and then that's it. So, and, and the White Sox, actually. So And that rotation is just being killed by injuries right now. So that's not where you want to be at uh, 207 runs given up at this point in the year. It's just they're not pitching well, and that's becoming an issue for them. Uh, And really, their lineup has been average, but they need it to be a lot better than average when their pitching has been as poor as it has been. And their lineup is supposed to be kind of the strong suit of this team. But, you know, you got to play complementary baseball, and they haven't done... They've been an average offense, and they've been a very bad, uh, well, run-preventing team. So overall, that's not going to result in any wins. I think the Texas Rangers are probably the one of the pleasant surprises of baseball this year. Um, we thought maybe they're a couple of years away from competing. Obviously, they're they're eight games back, but that's because they've got two really good teams in their division. So, it, it's an interesting division to watch. The Rangers might be able to help make some uh, noise down the stretch. No, we're not even close to. We're only a quarter of the way into the season. I don't think they're going to be making any noise I down meant, the stretch, I meant in terms but of impacting the race. But but I will say, if they feel like committing to this team. They have options instead of instead of instead of bringing up the prospects they have. They can tear down the prospects they have and actually get really really good players. Because we've seen, I mean, the the biggest example I have of it is uh, a former first round pick, Pete Crow Armstrong, was traded just one player swap for Javi Baez last year from the Mets to the Cubs. If you have really really high end prospects, you can do one for one trades for all star level players for the end of the season. If the Rangers find themselves a few games above 500 and the race overall is close, don't be surprised to see them try to make some trades to try to get, try to trade maybe one of their really high up prospects and try to get 
a very, very good player from another team. I would not be surprised at all, you know, if they try to pick someone up from the Guardians, from, I mean, maybe even the Tigers at this point, although they kind of just started their contending phase in their opinion, so that's probably not going to happen. Maybe from the Royals. You never know who could be from the National League also, but they could get somebody from somewhere, I think. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, but we'll, we'll see what the Rangers do later this season. Also, they could get a pitcher too. Uh, but... I, I do agree with you that they, they have many options going forward, and the fact that they're near 500, as I said before, it's a good sign for the future for them, whether they want to compete this year or two or three years down the road. If they want to compete two or three years from now, they are very well positioned to do that because, I mean, some of their top prospects are injured. Some of them are kind of just getting their, their legs under them uh, in the MLB, so all of that is very, very important, uh, but they're, they're in a good place. All right, well, uh, that wraps up our look at the American League. Let's move over to the National League where we will also start in the East. Well, a team that's not necessarily in the greatest place, but mostly because of injuries, that's the New York Mets, 29-17 and 17 on the season. Still, I, w- I can't even say staying afloat because they're actually thriving right now uh, as a team, but uh, they- they've been, they're, they're battling injuries. Jacob deGrom, I-, I saw, I was watching a Mets-Phillies game earlier. He was, uh, he was throwing, but he was in, you know, regular workout outfit, not on a mound. He was just throwing off a of flat ground. I've heard the report actually when I was watching that game that he was uh he was uh throwing without pain, which is a good sign, but not necessarily ready to come back quite yet. They're hoping to have him back by the All-Star game. Uh but him and Scherzer being out are a big issue for this team and yet they're still playing well. Uh they're 7 and sorry, they're 6 and 4 in their last 10. Uh, even though they've lost two in a row, they they're still playing okay and they really just need to stay afloat. And by the way, the rest of their division has not been good at all. So when you factor that in, they should be happy with where they are. Um, and it looks like they're going to have um, a lot of help staying on top of the division uh, by the fact that the rest of the teams have not been good so far and the Braves have really spotted them a big lead. Uh, they're seven and a half games ahead of those second-place Braves. Uh, but for now, their lineup will carry them through enough games that— because, uh, by the way, they do have a very strong lineup. We always talk about their pitching, but their lineup is great. Um, but, look— for now, their lineup can carry them through it, and when their pitching comes back and gets better, then they can really start to gel and become uh, a top-level contender again and become a World Series contender like they're supposed to be. But second place, speaking of the World Series, your defending champion Atlanta Braves are sitting at 21-24, and 24, 7.5 games back, a minus-13 run differential. I mentioned all of those teams that had 200 or more runs given up, and, you know, that group is a very bad group of teams. The Braves aren't in this group, but they are knocking on the door of joining them at 198 runs given up this year. It, their pitching has been their main problem. Their lineup has been okay. Uh, they haven't been terrible, but they are not good overall as a team right now. Um, and, you know, you hope that they can, you know, even start to turn it around against the Marlins this weekend. A good, a decent team within their division should be enough to catch their attention and really try to play very well. But at the same time... Uh, it, you, you never know. Uh, they, I think this team will start clicking. They were bad. They weren't bad, but they were only average last year come trade deadline time. So they, and, and you know, they ended up winning the World Series. So it's not like they have to be great already this year to be, to end up in the playoffs. It's a very, very long season. As we all know, it's 162 games. That's forever. Uh, but I think they'll get it together eventually. I don't know if this team's going to contend necessarily though, because I really feel like as much as people can say Matt Olson is a trade-off with Freddie Freeman, they're not a trade-off. Freddie Freeman is a lot better than Matt Olson. 
Um, Matt Olson is better in the future because he's younger, but for this season alone, I don't exactly think the Braves have gotten better, and I think that their pitching has also taken a hit just because they had a really good year last year, and this year it just hasn't turned out the same way. Um, and I think that overall they will turn it around, but I don't expect this team to be nearly as good as it was last year by the end of it, just based off of this start, too. Uh, in third, yeah, the Phillies, who continue to have defensive issues, although their one big win was benefited by an opposing team's defensive issues, that being the Dodgers, 21-24 uh, and 24 on the season, same record as the, as the Braves, but actually flipped their run differential. They're plus 13 compared to the Braves, minus 13. They're 4-6 and six in their last 10, uh, but they, they've had... Look, the one thing with this team is just that they're very, very inconsistent. Uh, they have 204 runs scored on the year, but they're also among the top five or six or seven teams in one-run performances on offense this year. So they will sometimes just not score at all, and then other times they look like the best offensive team in baseball. I mean, but... Because of the fact that they're so inconsistent, they can't be that good on offense, and that's really what's held them back all all year long. And I think something that might continue to hold them back, that kind of a feast or famine offense, comes a lot when you have a guy like Kyle Schwarber, who's, you know, a 194 average guy. He takes his walks here and there, but mainly a lot of runs off of home runs. And then you have Bryce Harper being injured, and Castellanos and Reese Hoskins had a little bit of a rough start to the season. So it makes sense why they're inconsistent, but um, I, I think... It, they might continue to be inconsistent, and that might be the downfall of this team, along with not very good defense. Uh, but then you have the Marlins, who are in fourth at 18-24, nine games back. Uh, actually, a plus-12 run differential, so so far pretty good for them, but not exactly what I guess they would expect. I'd say this is about where I expect them. Uh, but, um, you know, four and six in their last ten. Another team kind of in the A's world of things where they don't have many interesting things about them, not many things for me to be focusing on, looking at, uh, but they're good. Uh, they're okay. They're an okay team, um, and they might be able to make some noise later on. And then finally, you have the Washington Nationals who got to 30 losses on the same day as the Cincinnati Reds did. Uh, so they're bad. Very, very simply, very, very simply they're bad. Uh, seven and seventeen at home is—they might be the worst in the league actually at home. I know they were at some point this season, um, but look—they've been a bad home team. They're not great on the road either. They're minus fifty-nine in run differential, which is one of the worst in the league. Uh, and despite a two-game winning streak, uh, they are four and six in their last ten, and just overall aren't a good team. Thirteen games back of the Mets. Okay, let's move over to the NL Central, where the Brewers are in first place at twenty-nine and sixteen. They've won three in a row. They're seven and three in their last ten. They have a good run differential at plus thirty six. And uh, look, I don't have much to say about this team. They've been really good all year. Josh Hader hasn't blown a save. Devin Williams has three saves on days where Hader has been down. And you know, I mean, down as in you know can't pitch that day because he pitched the day before or whatever. Uh, but they've just they've been good. Uh, I don't have much to say about it other than that. They've just been a good team. They're continuing to be a good team. They've been good for years now. Uh, and they've really found something with that franchise, and that lineup has gotten a lot better this year. You expect their pitching to be top of the line. It has been, uh, but their lineup has definitely found a different gear this year, turning into a very much above-average uh, offensive team, which is really all they needed to be when you have Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and all the pitching that they do. Uh, but let's move on from the Brewers, talk about the St. Louis Cardinals, who are 24-20, and 20, four and a half games back of the Brewers. Uh, they kind of the same thing. They've been a winning team for a while. They've had a good formula, a good winning formula, and uh, 
they've continued to win. Uh, they have a plus 41 di- run differential, actually better than the Brewers. Um, and, you know, despite being a shaky 11-10 and 10 at home, 13-10 and 10 on the road has allowed them to be an above 500 team. Uh, they're really reminding me of the Blue Jays right now. It's not just the fact that they have the exact same record, but they are, you know, they're supposed to be one of the top of the division teams, but there's a lot of good teams at the rest of the top of the division, so you don't know if they're going to contend, uh, that being the Brewers for the Cardinals in their situation. Uh, but you still have faith in this team. You have a lot of offensive weapons. You have a lot of great players. And eventually you think this is a team who will be probably the top team from the wild card unless the Braves really kick it into high gear. Although I think you could even make the argument that that, that they could still be better than the Braves by the end of the year. Uh, but overall, just like what I'm seeing from the Cardinals so far, and there's not, not much more to it other than that. But uh, you move on to... The bad teams in this division, you have the Pirates, who are 18 and 25, 10 games back. A minus 83 run differential, the worst in the league by a large, large margin, 22 runs worse uh, than, the, than the Kansas City Royals, who have the second worst, uh, which is surprising because, as we know, there's a notable really bad team at the bottom of this division, too. Uh, but get to that in a second. Uh, they're 4-6 and six in their last 10. They're not good at home. They're not good on the road. Again, they're just not a great team, uh, and, you know, maybe they can turn that around. They have a lot of prospects up right now, and uh, they have more even to uh, call up in the future if they want to, but uh, they have some pieces going for them, but they are definitely a team who, look at a guy like Brian Reynolds, you even look at a guy like Daniel Vogelback, they, those are guys that maybe other teams might want at the trade deadline, and they probably will be able to sell, will be, will be sellers by the time the trade deadline comes around. I don't see this team thinking, yeah, we're going to re-sign these guys and, you know, try to contend in the future, Uh, but, well, in the near future. Um, But then you have the Cubs, who are in fourth, uh, 18 and 26 on the year. They have been uh, decent, but not great, and, uh, you know, they are, they're they're not supposed to be great. Their run differential indicates that they should be a little bit better than they are, uh, but four and six in their last ten, two losses in a row, uh, they are, you know, it, the Cubs are not built to be successful right now, and I don't think they will be, uh, but let's move on to the last place team. Maybe we don't, maybe we talk like 10 seconds about them this time, because we've probably spent way more time than we should have on them, and they finally started to in some fashion, I guess, turn it around because 5-5 five and five in the last 10 for a 14-30 and 30 team who used to be on historically bad pace uh, isn't terrible. So I'll just say they were supposed to be historically bad. Now it looks like they're only going to be bad in the context of this year. Yeah, I think they've been a 500 team since we bagged on them. Um, this division's weird. This division kind of reminds me of the AL Central. Like, I can't tell the two of them apart. They've got, like, two teams... At the top. they got two really good teams and everybody else doesn't have a chance is what yeah, you're trying to say. And, and by the way... Except for, I think the one difference is that Cleveland and the Tigers actually have way better players than anybody on the Pirates or the Cubs. Sure. Uh, and, I mean, look, Jose Ramirez should be in the MVP conversation when you're talking about Cleveland. Uh, and the Tigers tried to be a better team. It just hasn't worked out so far. The Pirates and the Cubs just have not tried to be better. True. But... but and, and both teams in the in first place in the Central have a four-and-a-half game lead over the second-place team. They feel like... Mirror image divisions. Not very interesting. couple good teams at the top. Yeah. Um, so let's move off them and go to something that is interesting, National League West. Well, it's been probably the best division in baseball this year, maybe outside of the AL East. I would still like the Rockies as my last place team rather than the Orioles, though. Uh, the Dodgers in first place at 30-14, and 15-5 and five at home. They're always a great team at home. 8-2 uh, and two in their last 10, 
a plus 114 run differential despite being 44 games into the season. Um, FYI, the Dodgers run differential through 44 games. Uh, They are the only, they're just the sixth team all time to ever accomplish that. And the previous five all won the World Series. Uh, So looking pretty good for the Dodgers to start the year. And there was also a stat earlier in the week when they were already at plus 100 uh, that they were one of the first teams, or they were one of, I think, 11 teams to be plus 100 in the first 42 games or something like that. And nine of those 11 teams had won the World Series, or six of those 11 teams had won the World Series, and 10 of them had gone there. And the last team to do it was the 2020 Dodgers, who won the World Series. So uh, all I have to say is, all signs point to, you know, the title for the Dodgers. And I think that normally happens every year with this team, but this team really feels like it. it I've said this a lot being a Dodgers fan, as we all know. This team does feel a lot better than some of the other teams, even that have made it to the World Series. I don't think I remember feeling this good about a team other than the 2020 season, and obviously that one turned out being a World Series team. Uh, There are some issues in the bullpen. There are definitely consistency issues, and there are issues with injuries, but I think if Kimbrell starts to get more of a consistent workload because the team intentionally makes games closer, I don't think that's a good idea, by the way, because you you should always try to kill the other team, not just make it close, just let your close, just so that your closer can come into the game. Uh, but I, I hope that um, it, it won't. I hope that Kimber will get a more consistent workload, uh, consistent workload, I should say, um, and just get better overall in in the over the course of the year, get more consistent. But uh, I think that still Blake Trinan's out, and the Dodgers still have one of the best bullpen ERAs in the league. I think it's still top five, uh, number one in starting pitcher ERA, despite being down. Andrew Heaney and Clayton Kershaw. So, look, they they are in a very very good place. And then in second place, the Padres, twenty eight and sixteen, j- despite having despite not having Fernando Tatis this year, they're two games back of the Dodgers. I mean, that is a very good sign to start the season. Uh, they're not supposed to be anywhere near where they are, and yet here they are playing very well. They have a, they have good momentum going into the middle of the season, even without having their star player. Uh, and you know, that, that'll be something we have to monitor later when he comes back, see where he plays, see how that disrupts things. Although I don't think, I don't think they care how Fernando Tatis might disrupt their continuity. He's Fernando Tatis. They'll be happy to have him back. Uh, but they're seven and three in the last 10. And then you have in third place, the Giants who are 24 and 19, five and a half games back. They're just, they're just way too injured to be up here with the, with the Dodgers and the Padres right now. They're not going to be uh, playing as well as the Padres. The Padres are missing one big piece. The Giants are missing five like smaller pieces and also a big piece or two. So they're they're really really injured. Uh, it's something that hasn't quite hit all these other teams yet. But yet they're still staying afloat. Even have a similar run differential to the Padres. They are plus twenty one. The Padres are plus twenty six. The Padres much better with their uh, run prevention at one hundred and sixty four runs allowed compared to the Giants two hundred and two runs allowed. But they have hit very well this year, uh, including Jock Peterson, who leads the the NL in home runs, I think, heading into the day today. Uh, and then finally, at the bottom of the division, you have the surprise 500 team, the Arizona Diamondbacks, 23 and 23, five and five in their last 10. They are they are a decent team. They are nothing more. I would argue that they might be less than that, and we'll see them maybe regress towards the end of the season. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then you have the Rockies, who are 20 and 24, 10 games back. A very good team at home, a very, very bad team on the road at 6-13 and 13 compared to their 14-11 home record. 
they still have the same issues of last year that they tried to fix of not really having much, uh, not really slugging well, despite having one of the best ballparks to swing the bat in. And that has been a big issue for them. Other than CJ Crone, it's kind of continued to be an issue this year. And that's also because Chris Bryant has spent uh, some significant time being out injured. I think he's only played 16 or 17 games a season, despite them being 44 games into the season. Uh, So, you know, Maybe they get healthier. Maybe they start hitting better on the road. They pick up stride and they can become a near playoff contender. But I don't expect this team doing too much this year. Yeah, top three teams in this division are, I think if you told them all what they'd be going through at this point in the season, including Dodgers having some really key players who are playing terribly. Uh, Max Muncy might be their MVP over the past several years, and he's just awful this year. All these teams... And not having Kershaw and losing Kershaw after yeah. four starts and Heaney being great, but then being well, out after two and Trinan being out for forever. Yeah, you it's, all yeah. injuries. I, I just mentioned that because of the Dodgers, you didn't mention the fact that some of their star players... And the fact that Trevor Bauer is never going to play for the team yeah, again, too. I think all three of these teams, if you told them what they went through and say, hey, here's your record, you know, 44 games, 45 games of the season, they'd take it. Uh, especially the Padres without Tatis. To me, that's scary. They're, they're, they're scary. They're lurking two games behind the Dodgers, and they haven't had their best player. But every year they're always ahead of the Dodgers at the beginning of the season, and then they always fall off by the end of the season, even when they have Tatis. So I don't think it's going to be any different this year. That's one of the tropes that always stays true. Dodgers are consistent throughout the year. Padres start hot and very, very cold and eventually flame out and die before they get anywhere in the playoffs. Well, we know how important those early season uh Early season matchups with the Dodgers are to those Padre fans, how meaningful they are, too. Oh, well, exactly, and and that's the thing. Even And by the way, that's another sign this year to me is that, and, and also part of it, because he's on my TV screen right now as we're watching the Padres, they tried to trade Eric Hosmer about maybe 5,000 times in the last two years, and all of a sudden he's their second best player this year. So they've had a lot of things go right that maybe shouldn't be going right, and maybe the wheels will fall off again in the middle of the season. The one thing I will say is that the Sean Mania trade has been huge for them. Their pitching's great, um, and they almost have an issue with having too many pitchers, but, you know, everybody's always injured, pitchers especially, so it's never, never a bad to, thing. You can never have too many pitchers. Um, but the Padres, I think, I, I don't think they're going to stay up here forever. I think the Giants will honestly surpass them. I know you don't think that because you think that the Giants are going to be a huge disappointment this year, but I, I think the Padres will eventually be surpassed by the Giants, and then later on, uh, I, the Dodgers will keep that lead. I, I don't think that Tatis is going to make the team worse or anything. I just think that everybody around him will stop playing as well. And then overall, I'm looking at this team and I just don't see how it's been so, so good to start the season. And I just think there will be other teams that get better and they will fall as a result. But still, this will be a playoff team. I'm not saying they will, they'll fall that far down. They'll be a playoff team by the end of the year. They'll be good. They just won't be great like they have been to start the season. Um, and... Look, you, you talked about those early season games. It's actually funny because they finally had one of their best seasons, at least so far, and they actually got swept by the Dodgers earlier this season in the two games. Or No, sorry, the, the Giants got swept by them in the two games. The Dodgers won two of three in San Diego uh, already this season, uh, despite normally the Padres owning all the early season games and the Dodgers picking it up later in the year. So they're technically already not on a good trajectory in terms of where they normally are, but I'll just say they'll be a playoff team, and I'll just leave it at that. Okay, well, that wraps up our look at Major League Baseball, and it wraps up this 150th edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please join us for our next podcast, which will be on Monday, May 30th, where we will see the accuracy of Patrick's weekend predictions and look at the end of the conference finals in the NBA and preview the NBA finals. In the meantime, please be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his weekend predictions that were posted on Thursday, 
his Major League Baseball power rankings that were posted on Tuesday, and his NBA power rankings that were posted on Wednesday. All of that content is on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.